for y'all. I have saved the best message for the last one, okay? So get ready. This is, this is the best one of all of them. But before we dive into it, let's review first, okay? And in case you missed any of these messages, they're all online. And I want y'all to go back. And I want y'all to look at each one of these because this is an important part of who we are at the Ridge. This is part of our DNA. This is what makes us tick. These are the basic values that we hold to here at the Ridge Church, okay? So these five values, when we get to the basics of what we believe, and what we practice. These five values come from the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And these five things are so important that we don't want to just talk about them on Sundays. We, we want you to be living these out each and every day, okay? So here are the basics for us. Let me just do a little bit of a review here, okay? Um, in the Great Commission, okay, there's final moments that Jesus has with the disciples before he ascends into heaven. He gives them some final instructions for them and for us. And he tells them, he says, go and make disciples, Okay, so we put that value as found people find people, okay? And I want you to know, here at the Ridge, there's not a month that goes by that somebody isn't texting me or emailing me about somebody that they invited to church and how amazing that's been. So I just want to thank you for living out this value and also want to remind you that Tom Rayner says that over 90% of people that want to go to church, the reason they're not coming to church is because they haven't been invited by someone. They want to come to church, they just want to come with someone else. They want to be invited to come. So this is part of who we are, found people, go out and find people. Number two, Jesus tells us to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we put this as you can't do life alone. You were meant to be a part of a church family. This is why we do Church 101. This is why last week we did Church 101 and we had a great group sitting around a table just getting to know each other because we want you to know you weren't meant to do life alone. We want you to be a part of a church family. Then number three, Jesus says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. So we put this as growing people change. God expects us to grow up. God expects us to mature. And God is cheering us on in the race of life. So we keep going and we keep growing. That's what we do as believers. And then in the great commandment, Jesus says this. He says to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you know this. You've heard this your whole life. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we put this as saved people serve people. God doesn't want us to say self-centered. That's not the example that Christ showed us, but to get out there and to serve one another is part of the heart of who we are as Christians. And then the last one, and this is where we are today. Okay, Jesus tells us to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And so we put this as worship as a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. What do we mean when we say that worship is a lifestyle? What do we mean when we say that we want you worshiping each and every day? What do we mean when I say that worship is all about how you live? I mean, Jimmy, are you trying to say that, you know, that I need to be breaking out in song each day and playing Bethel at work or Hillsong in my cube and maybe raising my hands in worship at least once or twice during the day? I mean, you can. People might look at you a little strange, you know, if you do, but you can do that, of course. But here's the deal. If I asked you for a definition of worship, chances are every single person in this room would have something different to say. Because worship means different things to different people. And the reason it's different is because we're so different. 
And add to that the fact that churches are also different when it comes to different types of worship styles. I mean, we, go, we got Catholics and Methodists and Baptists and Holiness and Pentecostal, and the definition of worship can seem to change by person and by denomination. It can be very confusing. In fact, I found this video a little while back of a couple who were looking for a church to visit, visit and they're a little confused about the, what the style of worship might be and what they should wear to worship. So let's have a little fun. Y'all watch this video for just a minute. You really have to figure out the denomination. Uh, well, I'm trying. You know, because is it, is it like holiness, you know? Wow. Or Hillsong? <laughs> okay, first of all, your closet has range. That is, is Thank that a full-length denim skirt? Yeah, it's vintage. I could wear them together and just confuse everyone. Let's, okay, what about these skinny jeans? Okay, yeah. um, yeah, it's the type of church where it's like gluten-free communion and the pastor drives a Tesla. Right. Yeah, but if not, and you have to get down on your knees and pray. Yeah. It's not gonna work. Okay. Yeah, change. All right. Didn't Jesus say, come as you are? Not according to this church's Instagram page. These people are literally models. Wow. Just, okay, is it... I'm gonna find something else. Okay, what about this? Uh, I don't think it's Catholic. A suit? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. what, what, so I just throw some khakis on the bottom then? No, it's not Southern Baptist either. I... How about this? All right, yeah, good, comfortable, yeah. you know? What if it's one of those hand-raising churches that you gotta raise? Oh, oh, oh. What if we... No. Guys, mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't want to go too pastor, yeah. but I don't want to go too worship pastor. Yeah, do you have something like in the middle? Okay, we have options here in one shirt. I don't Buttons. Know. Yeah, what do I do? Catholic. With Great. Full collar. All right. Methodist. Baptist. Non-denominational. Worship leader. Oh, whoa. Your body's a temple. No. Change. <laughs> oh, I love it. Wouldn't they say two buttons undone is Methodist, five is a worship leader? I love how they make fun of worship leaders. We would never make fun of Stu here at this church. Unless he wears his shirt with five buttons unbuttoned, then we will make fun of you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But this is true, right? We've experienced this when we try to visit different churches and don't understand what worship styles are, are going to be like in each denomination or with different people. So, it's confusing. What do we mean by worshiping God each and every day? Because that definition of worship varies. So, here's, here's where I land on this. What I have to say isn't really important, or what other people have to say really isn't important so much as what does God's word have to say about what it means to worship, okay? God's word is the authority to tell us the truth about what we need to know in life. And here's what the Bible says about worship. The Bible says that we are designed to worship, okay? Just like we sang, and Stu pointed this out. We, we pulled out that oldie but a goodie. Um, you were made to worship. In fact, Everybody worships something. Everybody worships something. Even if someone says that they don't believe in God, they still worship something. People still worship idols. If you don't think that we have idols today, you are sadly mistaken. I mean, just look at any sports team, um, and I best not stay on that one too long because I'm going to be stepping on my own toes, but people worship sports, people worship themselves, people worship wealth, they worship possessions, they worship careers, they worship cars, they worship reality TV stars, they worship everything. The problem is, is that cars break down, and let's be honest, so do reality TV stars sometimes. <laughs> so anyway, that was bad. Um, 
But people worship different things. And what we need to do is we need to talk about what it means for us to worship God. And not just worship Him on Sundays, but what it means to make it a part of our lifestyle. What it means to worship God every day. So that's where we're heading. So when you get down to it, what does the Bible teach us about true worship? And what is God looking for when he invites us to worship him with all of our heart, to love God with all of our heart? What does it mean to live out this point that worship is a lifestyle? So with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to look at three big questions today. And number one is this, what is worship? What is worship? Okay, so that's the, the first big question. If you've got your message notes open, we're just going to fill in these blanks together. And we're going to start here. What is worship? Let's define this. And again, the reason I start here is just like I said before. If I asked you, we, we'd all have different definitions. And so since I have the microphone, I'm going to give the definition. So the word actually comes from an old English word, worth sight. Okay, and this actually means to declare worth. And this definition actually simplifies things a little bit. To declare the worth of something. So when we worship God, what we're doing and what that means is that we are declaring his worth and how much we value him. And the psalmist shows this all over the Psalms. In fact, in Psalm 96.4, he puts this. He puts it this way. The Lord is great and he deserves our greatest praise. He is the only God worthy of our worship. In other words, there's a lot of gods out there. There's a lot of things that we value in life. But this is what we value the most. This is who is worthy of our praise. So when I read this, and when I think about this definition, it leads me to ask the question of how much is God worth to you? How much is he worth to me? Like, what is his value in your life? Let's, let's tease this out a little bit. Like when you worship song, when you sing songs of worship, when you're worshiping and singing these songs together, do you, do you sing in such a way that you show him just how much you value him? Like when you come into church, when you have this moment on Sundays, when I have this moment on Sundays, I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about me too. Like when I come in here, am I serious about being here? And about being with this body of believers? Or did I come today just because I haven't been in three weeks and I don't want anybody to not think I go to church, so I better show up every once in a while? Or when we worship online together, online is great, and we've got people that are worshiping online, but when we're worshiping online, do we show that we value God with the time that we're spending? Or are we just, you know, thumbing through our phone, kind of half paying attention? You know, but... We need to give a good, honest evaluation in our life when it comes to this. Like, what do you Sunday, let's just look at Sunday mornings for a minute. What do you Sunday mornings show that I value the most? Like, when it comes to my children, do Sunday mornings show that I value worshiping God? When it comes to the people that I'm trying to share Jesus with, like, do Sundays show that I value that time? Do, do Sundays prove just how much I value Him? And again, I'm, I'm focusing for a minute on our time on Sunday mornings, whether that's in person or online. But Sundays are just a part of it. Remember, this, this worship is a lifestyle. It's more than just Sunday mornings. 
it's expressed in, in how we live each day. So then take that thought even further from Sunday mornings and say, you know, each and every day, am I showing God how much I value Him? Does how much I value God just, just does it flow from me? You know, when it comes to this subject, I, I truly believe that you can tell how much a person worships or, or what a person worships in life by the decisions that they make, right? By, by the values that they have, you know, you know, the way they talk, what they talk about, you know, what they think about, what they spend their time doing, what they spend their money on. If, if you want to know what someone values the most or worships the most, just look at how they approach their life. Like, how do they live each day? Not just on Sundays, although that's an important part, but every day. So here's how I kind of think of it. I think about that relationship I have with God and how much I value Him and how often the relationship with God in his church is supposed to mirror our relationships within our marriages. So I look at this as a relationship I have with Shannon. And what if the only time that I showed Shannon that I valued her was on Sunday mornings when I was with y'all, right? Or when we were in public together. The only time I ever said I loved her was when we were at church, or the only time I gave her any kind of affection was when I was worried about what other people might think, so I better do it now while everybody's watching. You know, that wouldn't be much of a marriage, would it? I, I got to show her that I value her every day, all the time. Not just when we're in public, not just on certain days, but when it's just us. So, what does it mean in my relationship with God when I evaluate my life and I can really only say that I worship Him on Sunday mornings? Or, or, one Sunday a month. What does that show about my values and how I worship? Again, worship shows what we value. Can I truly say that I value something if I'm only paying attention to it or to them once in a while? And I'm not so sure about that. True worship in the life of the believer proves that God is what I value in this life. He is what I want to worship. He is what I put my trust in. He is what I have my hope in. And that's not just on Sunday mornings, but it's each and every day. What do I value? Let me take you to a text this morning. In the book of John, chapter 4, we find a story of Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And um, I've talked about this in the past a couple of times, but this is such an interesting story because a few different dynamics are taking place. One, Jesus is, is teaching a woman, which wasn't really done back in this time because of the value system and all this type. And, and not only is he teaching a woman by himself, but he's also uh, talking to a Samaritan. It's a double whammy. You know, Jews and Samaritans didn't really um, mix at this time. So it's a very awkward and strange situation. And add to that the fact that this conversation is one of the longest conversations that Jesus has with anybody recorded in the Scriptures. 
Now, you would think that one of the longest conversations Jesus has would be with another rabbi or another teacher or with the disciples, but no, it is with this Samaritan woman. So there are so many things that make us want to look at this passage and go, why is this so important? Why is this in here? And what can we learn from this? And it just so happens in the middle of that conversation, the subject turns towards worship. And the Samaritan woman, she looks at Jesus and she says this in John 4, 19. She says, so tell me, why is it that you Jews, you're, you're a different type of people, you, y'all, insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we, we're different from y'all, but we say it's over here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. So just to kind of bring you up to speed on this conversation, She realizes that there's something different about Jesus. She realizes that he's a great teacher. So she begins to ask him these questions. Why why do your people say that we got to worship God over here, but my people say we got to worship God over there, and who's right and who's wrong? Now, let's just pause and say, you know what? If Jesus were walking around and just having conversations with people today on the street corner, just teaching, this, this exact same question would come up, Right? You know, people would ask him, why does this one church say that you got to worship in this way? And why does this church say that you got to worship in this way? And why does this church say I got to be baptized in this way? And this church say, no, 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 that's not good. And that doesn't count. And this is now you need to be baptized. Why is it so different when it comes to worship? What are these people doing? Right? Again, we see that we're not so far removed. You know, we tend to think of scripture like it's a different time and a different place. And how does it even relate to me? And yet, these questions are the same ones that we still struggle with today, right? People still wonder this. Why do we have so many different denominations? Why, well, what is this deal with worship? But Jesus replies, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you don't get it. It's, it's not the form, it's the function. It's not about where, but it's all about who you're worshiping. So here's the actual response Jesus said. In John 4, 21 and 23, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So this is so good for us. Jesus says, listen, here's what's important. What's important is that when it comes to worship, that you're worshiping in spirit and in truth. So that leads me to my second question for today. What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Like, what does it mean for us? And immediately, when I start talking about worshiping in the spirit, I know where a lot of y'all are going. Some of y'all are like, I'm not so sure about this. Worshiping in the spirit sounds a little Pentecostal, and I didn't think Methodist. Are we going to start talking about speaking in tongues? And everybody just calm down, okay? Calm down. Calm down. Here's what it means. Worshiping in the spirit means worshiping from the depth of my heart. Okay, when I'm worshiping God, I'm worshiping him with my soul. My worship isn't just something on the outside. But my worship is something that truly comes inside of me. In other words, I'm not just going through the motions. I'm truly feeling something in my heart. That means when I pray, like, like I'm really trying to concentrate on him. When I come to church and worship, I'm truly looking for God. What I'm getting at is that there's got to be this authentic, it's got to be honest, this inward expression of something that's being expressed on the outside. 
But Jesus says it's not just spirit, but it's also truth. And here's what that truth means. It means that it has to be real and sincere towards God. In other words, it's transparent. I'm not hiding anything back from God. I'm not withholding anything from him. I am coming to him in the truth of who I am and giving him what I have. I'm not pretending. I'm giving him my true self. You see, what we're getting at here is that God doesn't want us just to go through the motions when it comes to worship. Remember, he's looking for a relationship here. He, he's not just looking for us to fulfill some obligation just to mark worship off my to-do list, right? I checked it off for Sunday. I'm good for the rest of the week. Because you know what truth is? We can go through the motions sometimes, can't we? We can come in and we can sing all the songs we want. We can pray all the prayers we want. We can go through the motions and still be completely checked out, can't we? You could go so far as to raise your hands in worship, but if your hands are clenched fists towards God or towards someone else. Does it, does, it really, does it really count? Is that really worship? Is that really giving God my, my true self or, or being sincere about it? Let, let me put it to you this way. True worship is not about activity. It's about authenticity. It's not just about activity. It's about authenticity. Is it coming deep within me? Am I being authentic with what I have to give? In fact, in the next couple of verses, when Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman, he closes this out by saying, you know, uh, worshiping in spirit and truth. He says, the Father God is looking for those who will worship in that way. Jesus is like, God is looking for people that are going to come and bring authentic worship before him. Not just going through the motions. Not just out of a sense of obligation, but bringing their true self to God. And opening themselves up each and every day. So let's bring this into real life. You know, one of my greatest joys is when Savannah comes home from college. And, you know, when she comes home, and some of y'all who have kids that are older, you know, you know how this is. It's, it's, it's great that she's not coming home out of obligation, you know, like, she's not really wanting to. She's just going through the motions because she understands that this is something she's got to do every once in a while. She wants to keep getting some money, you know. It's different when she comes home because she's excited to be home and wanting to be with us, wanting to see us. Because as a father, that's what I want to see. It's not just the activity of coming home. It's the authenticity of wanting to be there. You see, your heavenly Father wants that from you when it comes to worship. He wants you, the real you, not just some fake putting on a show version of you. Now, why is it so important? I don't have this question up here this morning, but you know, sometimes I wonder, like, why is it so important to worship God? You know, I used to wonder this sometimes, like why would God, if he's a creator of everything, right, if he's all-powerful, all-knowing, angels worshiping him all the time, why does he need me to worship him? Like why, why does he even need that? Like am I somehow how, like just building up his ego, do I need to butter him up? Like is he, 
you know, kind of insecure, sitting in the corner, like hoping somebody notices him or recognizes him. Like, what, what is that all about? And I read something a while back that really brought this closer to home, and I thought this was so good. Worship is not just for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit. Okay, let me say that again. Worship is not just for God's benefit, but it's for my benefit. Let me give you an example of how worship benefits us and why I need to do it. And I want to share a piece of scripture that comes from Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah says this. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Isaiah has this vision of God right after Uzziah had passed away. Then he says this, he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. So at this moment, think about this, in this story, the nation is going through a little bit of turmoil because the king has just passed away. And some people were wondering, what are we gonna do? And in this moment, the prophet Isaiah, he's worshiping and he sees God. And he sees him sitting on this throne. And his glory and his presence is so big that the train of his robe just fills the temple. It must have been this just amazing picture for Isaiah to behold. So what do you think that moment of worship What do you think that did for Isaiah? You see, I think that moment of worship, I think it benefited Isaiah and the people of God more than it benefited God because to them, I think it gives them peace and comfort and protection and power to know that even though they don't have a king, an earthly king sitting on the throne, they have the heavenly king, not just sitting on the throne, but filling the temple. God's presence is with them. Did God show them that just to build himself up or did God show them that to let them know just how big he really is? You see, worship is not just for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit. Because when we worship, we understand more of who we serve. And when we understand more of who he is, it draws us closer to his presence. But that only happens when we worship in spirit and truth. So we've taught through what worship is. Worship is showing what I value the most in life. So what does my lifestyle say about what I value? We've talked about why it's important. That it's just as much for us as it is for God because it helps draw us closer to him. So let's close this out. How can we worship him every day? Here's the last question. How can we worship him every day? And honestly, there are so many different ways that we can worship God. We worship God through singing. You know, and some people when it comes to singing, some of us worship a little better than others. But that's not important. What's important is how we participate. And y'all, you know what? When it comes to scripture, singing isn't just a suggestion. Singing is written out more as a command in scripture. There are moments in the Bible when the psalmist just hammers this. And I think it's just going to prove just how important this is, that God enjoys that kind of praise. And you know what? Stuart enjoys it when you sing too. (laughs) Singing's important. 
But singing is only a part of it. We worship God through prayer. In prayer, we are declaring what we believe about God. When we pray and ask him, what we're doing is we're believing that God can handle whatever this is that I'm presenting to him. We also worship by reading the Bible and by applying his word and by taking his word with us. You know, you know what I did the other day? Um, I found out that this Bible app um, actually sends a verse of the day to my home screen. And I don't even know, have you ever, you ever did something, do something on your phone, you don't even know how you did it? <laughs> I did this, and I was like, and it popped up, and I was like, that is so cool. I could not tell you how I did this, but I'm glad that I figured that out. But today's verse of the day is Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. And when I see that, and I bring that phone up, and I see that verse, that's a moment where I can look at that verse and worship God through his word. We also worship when we tell other people about Jesus, when we share our faith. Think about that. When we share our faith to someone else, we are telling them how much we value God. What better way to show that we value God than be out there expressing the joy about who he is? And think about how many opportunities we miss worshiping God when we don't share with others. We also worship by giving, how we give our time, our money, our energy, our resources, we worship at the end of the service when we take up tithes and offerings. It's a way of acknowledging everything I have comes from God, and so I give back to you what you have given to me. But when it comes to worship, there's so many different ways, but when you worship, I want to leave you with one last thing. I want you to take this thought with you. Worship begins by saying thank you. Two very simple words that can be difficult to say at times and difficult to remember because it's so easy sometimes to forget what God has done. Because if I'm being completely honest to you, when I worship, when I pray, when I'm reading scripture, I'm looking for ways that God can help me next, like with the future problem or this issue that's coming up. I'm not so much thinking about the past, I'm always thinking about the future and what I need God to do for me. But when I pause and I take the time to remember, and to thank him for what he's done each day, what that does is, is that it helps, me, me, it helps me worship him more today. Let me take you to a verse that comes from the psalm, Psalm 110.4. It says this. It says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now the gate for the psalmist, the gate is the outer portion of the temple. So going into the temple, going into the church, what you would do is you would pass that gate first. And the psalmist says, before you come into worship, before you come in to do anything else, here's what you need to do. You start with thanking God. And it's only after thanking God, then you move into worship. Then you move into praise. But the psalmist is like, first things first. Thank God for what he's done. And again, the reason why is it's because it's important. When I remember what God has done, I begin to discover who he is. When I remember to thank him for what he's done, I begin to realize a little more of why I should really worship him today. Let me give you some examples. The other day I'm praying and I'm thanking God. I thank him for healing a family member that was sick, sick with COVID, got hit really hard. And as I'm thanking God for healing in that process, I begin to understand 
that God is healer. That God is the great healer in my life. You probably have a similar story. I'm also praying and I'm thanking God for how he's worked in my girl's life. And how, y'all, I've got one that's about to graduate from college. It's crazy. I got another one that's graduating from high school this year. And I'm thanking him for all the ways that he has provided in their life. And when I remember to thank him for providing in my girl's life, you know what? I begin to remember that he is that great provider in my life. And I know that God has secured their next steps for the future. And when I'm praying and I'm, and I'm thanking him for helping me in a difficult situation that I was facing, you know, those moments where we, we don't know what to do next and how do I deal with this situation? And then suddenly after praying, it's like I get the wisdom that I need that will help me in those moments. And I thank God for that. Because in that moment, I begin to discover that he is the great counselor, that he gives me the wisdom I need, whatever I'm facing in life. And then I'm, as, as I'm worshiping and I'm remembering to thank him for, those, for the people in my life that are just struggling. And I'm thanking him for the ways that he has been present in their life. And when I begin to thank him for being present in their life, I begin to understand that he is the great comforter. And I begin to worship him for that. And my point in all this is that when I remember to thank him, for the fact that he is all these things to me. Then I, then I approach him with more confidence, realizing that God is who he said that he is. And when I walk with him confidently through the day, I can do so because I understand that he is that healer, he is that comforter, he is that provider. And when I remember that, I worship. Worship is realizing that God is who his word says that he is and that he is with me every moment of the day. So, so, so maybe, maybe don't forget that when it comes to how we worship because if I forget to thank him for what he's done in the past, I may not worship him like I should today. So let's close this out. Worship is so important in the life of a believer. Again, we all worship something. What does our everyday life say that we value the most? And my hope is that as we live this out, as a congregation, as a community of faith, that our worship becomes a lifestyle. That we invite God into our circumstances. He's not going to force himself into our life. He is waiting every day for that invitation to be with you in spirit and in truth. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. God, your blessings and your provisions, how you have provided in our life are just so amazing. God, we worship you first by just thanking you. Thanking you for all the ways that you have proven yourself in our lives. Over and over and over again. And God, we thank you most of all for saving us through your son, Jesus Christ. For forgiving our sins and for giving us eternal life. So God, help us to be mindful that worship isn't just something we do on Sunday mornings. Although that's important. God, being, being in worship together 
collectively as a church family is so important, but God, it's more than that. It's, It's paying attention to you. It's putting you first every day. It's allowing you to be involved in every part of who we are. So God, help us to be mindful of you as we go throughout our day. God, help us to remember what it means to worship in spirit and truth, to be sincere and to be honest, to be true, to give you our true selves. God, that when we have time to pray and and be in scripture and to be in worship and to sing songs in our car as we're driving to work or just going through our day, God, that we're we're not just going through the motions of it. We're, We're not just doing it just to check it off the list, but God, we are... We are doing it because we truly value you. And God, we value you more than anything else in this world. And God, we want our lives to be a wonderful example of just how much we love you. And you know what? God, why wouldn't we worship you every day? You are the one that has saved us. God, we love you. And we thank you. We thank you for proving yourself to us over and over again. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.